thank you, Gifford, for uh, leading us in prayer. So I uh, also want to thank you all for allowing uh, me and my family to get away for a week. Um, as I was talking to several of you, you said, hey, it looks like you guys had a great time. And, and at first, it's kind of shocked me. I was like, how do you know that we had a good time? And then I forgot that you know, I got stalkers on Facebook. So um, not that you are stalking me. It's you're stalking my wife because I don't do anything on Facebook anymore. Um, but thanks for, um, thanks for allowing us to have that time. It is always helpful and good to, to get away, to spend time with family, and then just to be refreshed so you can come back, hopefully, with a little more energy and a little more focus. Um, and speaking of focus today, our focus is we're going to be talking about reaching out without freaking out. Now, I know some of you have already said, what in the world is this about? And I will tell you in just a few minutes, but just give us, give me a few minutes to get into the introduction of the sermon and we'll talk about it. But we're going to look at three different passages today. The first is from Acts 1, the second is from Ephesians 6, and the third is from Colossians 4. If you'd like to look at those in your Bible, maybe you can go ahead and flip there now, but if you would prefer just reading it on the screen, you can do that as well. Let me remind you that this is the Word of God. And uh, this, the first passage is from Acts chapter 1. This is when Jesus has been crucified and he's been resurrected and then he's meeting with his disciples. And uh, verse 6 it says, So when they had come together, that is the disciples and Jesus, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away, and when they had entered, they went, up, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. And then from Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 16, but really the, the main part is a little bit further down. This is when Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, talking about how we are to take up the full armor of God to do spiritual battle. And he says, again, by the Spirit, in verse 16, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one 
and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And then finally from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, again, this is Paul under the inspiration of the Spirit writing, and he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Let's pray together. Um, Father, thank you. Thank you for uh, your your goodness to us in giving us your word. Uh, Will you give us ears to hear and hearts that will, um, that are filled with your love, uh, minds that are ready to receive your truth, um, and lips that are ready to speak your praise. Holy Spirit, fill us, empower us, uh, give us what we need today to uh, be transformed more into the image of Jesus and to be able to take the good news that we believe out into the world around us in various forms and in various ways. And for your glory and yours alone, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one true God. Amen. All right, so here's the moment of truth. What in the world is this series about talking about reaching out without freaking out? And why are we doing that now? Allow me to answer that question with, uh, in a roundabout way, with some uh, anecdotes, if you don't mind. Recently, I asked some pastors in town this question. I said, what three churches in Sumter, here in Sumter, what three churches in Sumter are doing outreach so well that it's the kind of church that if a church wasn't doing outreach well, they would want to go to them and say, how are you doing it? We want to learn from you. What are those three churches? And they averted their gaze from me for a few seconds. And then a little bit longer, there was a pause. And then one of them said, well, which churches do you think are like that in Sumter. And I said, well, I'm not asking for my opinion, I'm asking for yours. I'm really wanting to know what you think. And after a fairly long, a much longer time than I thought it would come, uh, we came up with two churches. We didn't even come up with three, just two. Now, we all admitted that maybe there are churches out there who are doing outreach really well and we just don't know about them, but these pastors also admitted 
that usually churches are more interested in maintenance of the church that already exists than being interested in kingdom growth. And that seems to concur with an article that I read recently that had some statistics about evangelism, and I don't know how accurate they are, but I have a feeling they are more accurate than we would like to admit. The article said that 95% of all Christians have never personally seen someone come to Christ through their own witness. 95% have never personally seen someone come to faith through their own witness. 80% of all Christians do not consistently talk to unbelievers about their faith. And less than 2% of Christians are involved in the ministry of evangelism. I don't know if that, those statistics are true, but if they are, that sounds pretty grim when it comes to reaching out to the community around us. Second anecdote. As we've announced today, we have a conference that is the Questions of the Heart Conference. Now, originally, we called it an evangelism conference called Questions of the Heart. But a good friend of mine told me, hey, if you really want people to come, take out the word evangelism. Get them in the door, and then say, hey, guess what? This is about evangelism. Ha ha, you were tricked. And my friend said that if you, if you say it's about evangelism, no one will come. Third anecdote. I have talked to several people in this church who, because of the pandemic isolation that we've gone through for the past year, uh, feel like they are less outgoing now than they used to be. Now, for some of us, that's, that's pretty serious because we weren't outgoing to begin with. But then for others of us, that's a serious thing, that we are less outgoing than we were before. And I read an article just this week online that basically said that this phenomenon is happening all over America, that even outgoing extroverts may feel like their personality is recalibrating to a new normal of not being as outgoing. Final anecdote. I don't know if you know this about me, but I really want to be a pastor who engages with the community. I really want our church to be a church that engages with the community in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of um, patterns. And I want us to be a church that is, I mean, there's a part of me that was wanting to hear those pastors that I talked to say, well, Westminster is a church that really does outreach well. But I have to admit that even though I want to be that pastor that leads us in evangelism, that leads us in outreach, that leads us in community outreach, it is a whole lot easier to talk than to put it into practice. 
a whole lot easier. And if I'm totally honest with you, and I'm going to be, outreach makes me uncomfortable. It does. It can make me anxious. It can stir up all kinds of insecurities that I have. It makes me worry about what the person's going to do or what the person's going to say. Am I going to ruin my relationship simply by naming the name of Jesus to them? And if that's how I feel as a pastor who is committed to this and who wants to do that, I'm sure that some of you feel uncomfortable with outreach also. That some of you feel anxious. That some of you have insecurities. So when we take all of that into consideration, reaching out to others in the name of Jesus, if I can say it, let's be honest, it freaks us out a little bit. It does. Makes us feel uncomfortable, makes us feel a little anxious, freaks us out. Not in the way that we run screaming down the road, but in a way that makes us go, ah, somebody else can do that. That's not my gift. Oh, I'm so glad that there are evangelists out there doing that work so I can be here in the holy huddle and be safe not take any risks. And yet, as followers of Christ, we know we are called to engage with others in his name. We, we do know that, right? Are you awake? We, we do know that, right? That we are called to engage with others in his name. Now, we can do that in a myriad kinds of ways, but we know that we are to engage with others in his name through acts of service, through displays of love, and yes, even through telling others the good news about Jesus. So if outreach tends to freak us out so that we don't actually do it, how do we engage in it without it freaking us out? And that is what I want to talk about in this series. I hope that has whetted your appetite just a little bit. Um, this, this series has come in a way, I, I, I want you to hear this, I am a little anxious about this series. One, who knows what God is going to do when we actually start talking about this stuff. But two, even last night, I had this dream, this is just me being honest, I had this dream where I was preaching and people started getting up and walking out. And there were like maybe five people left. One of them was my wife. And my wife left and walked out. And then there were only two people left. I don't even know who they were in the dream. But there were two people left. And they said, hey, Stu, we would love to hear the end of this sermon. But we're out. We, it, it, we just, we just got to go. So <laughs> you can tell what's going on up here just thinking about this series. I know that evangelism, outreach, it can be hard for us. So how do we get over that? I don't expect us all to be little Billy Grahams running around. I don't. 
But I do hope that we will see small ways in which we can put our toe in the water. We're probably not going to jump in the pool because it's too cool right now for some of us. But to put our toe in the water and say, okay, I can do that. And that's the first step in moving us towards being a more outreach-centered church. A church that we are concerned about the community, and we are. And we have been growing in that by the Holy Spirit for quite a while. And I believe that God wants to move us even further in that direction. Okay? So with that saying, how do we get over our outreach freakouts? The first is going to be prayer. Ha ha, you guys thought we were all done with talking about prayer. But we're not. So, here's what I want to talk about today from the scriptures. Prayer is vital to our efforts to reach out to others. Prayer is vital. It is so important. It is life-giving to our efforts to reach out to others. Here's what the scriptures say from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Here is Jesus, right before he ascends into heaven, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the, the one whose name is above every name and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. That Jesus says to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. A little further on in that passage, after the disciples look at Jesus and these angels basically say, hey, stop looking up to heaven, get to work. Verse 14, all these, all these disciples with one accord, what were they doing? They were devoting themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. And look what happened. Chapter 2, verse 41. So those who received Peter's word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Okay? The Holy Spirit empowered those disciples, particularly Peter on that day, to be witnesses in Jerusalem. And 3,000 people became followers of Christ that day. And at that point, you would think, okay, 3,000, that's pretty good. Let's just kind of keep it at the 3,000 level and, you know, make a church out of that and we'll be good. We don't need to pray about this anymore. But you know what happened next? Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers... They continued to pray, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Man, wouldn't that be awesome to see a church in Sumter see people come to faith day by day? 
Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't we all love to see that? And then we see Paul. You know, Paul the Apostle. Paul who, you know, he, he wrote half or a good portion of our New Testament. That Paul, the guy that we think he's one of the greatest evangelists ever to be around. And what does he say in Ephesians chapter 6? He says that we're all to pray in the Spirit with prayer and supplication and to keep alert with perseverance and supplication for all souls of the saints. And he says, and also for me, pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Here's Paul the Apostle saying, I need your prayers so that words will be given to me and I will speak boldly. And he says it twice. Boldly. I need boldness. I mean, this is a guy who was in prison and he was evangelizing his prison guards and he's asking for the church to pray for boldness for him. Wow. Maybe that's why he was able to proclaim the gospel to those prison guards, because he had prayed about it himself and he had asked other people, pray for me. And then finally, in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Here's Paul in prison, and he's praying. He's asking for prayer, and he's saying, ask on my behalf that God would give an open door so that I can proclaim Jesus to other people. So... All that to say, it's pretty obvious that prayer is vital. If we're going to be a church that engages our community, if we're going to be a church that grows in outreach, prayer is the foundation. Prayer is central. Prayer is where we're going to start, where we're going to finish, and everything in between. Prayer is vital to that ministry. Because when we pray, when we pray, we are expressing faith that God has the power to answer our prayers, right? That's what prayer is. Prayer is not simply, you know, taking a few seconds to say uh, just a list of things and then think, okay, well, that was just, that was just for me to say those words, but nothing's going to come of it. I think that's the way we pray sometimes. That we, we do it out of habit. Now, habits aren't bad, but if the habit becomes a rut, a rut that we're stuck in, and we just go to God in prayer without really expecting that he's going to do anything, then we're in a rut. And we need to get out of the rut. We need to make a trench. You know the difference between a rut and a trench? A rut is something you get stuck in 
by accident. You just kinda, it just kind of happens. A trench is something that you build yourself for the good of whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. We need a trench out of this rut so that we're praying, expecting God is going to do something, expecting power. I know we're Presbyterians, and I know we don't really talk about power. That's for the Pentecostals. They're the ones that are supposed to talk about power. We're supposed to talk about other stuff, but this is what the scriptures say. Think about Matthew 17, verse 20. And, and remember, this is the words of Jesus, our King, the one who died for us and rose from the dead for us, our Savior, right? The one that we say, He's our Lord. This is what He says. He said to His disciples, because of your little faith, you're not able to do something. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Listen to this next phrase. Let it sink in. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And nothing will be impossible for you. But, 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 and I know, I know, I got those butts too. I do. But I got this other butt that says, this is Jesus. This is Jesus the King, Jesus the Lord, who is saying, if you have faith, there are things that will seem impossible for you to do. But by the power of God, they will happen. I'm not talking about you getting your own private jet, okay? I'm not talking about a jacuzzi for the pastor in the office, although that would be nice. <laughs> I, I'm not talking about any of those things. I'm talking about action on behalf of what God has called us to do. If God calls us to do something and we say, oh, I can't do that because I don't have the power to do it, hey, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. That's what Jesus says. Uh, he says it again. Something very similar in Luke chapter 1, verse 37. He says, nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible for God. And I think that sometimes we're not so much afraid that we don't have the power. I think sometimes we lack the faith to believe that God really has the power. That God's really going to be able to do this. But a passage I come to over and over again, probably at least once a week, even if not more, is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21, where Paul writes, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You, you, hear what, you hear what he's saying? That God is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or even think. And that power is where? Where is it? You can answer. It's okay. Where is it? It's at work and not. 
at work within us. So there really are no excuses that we can make to say that we can't be a church that reaches out to our community well. Yeah, we may be a bunch of introverts, but God can use a bunch of introverts. We may have turned into a bunch of introverts because of the pandemic, but God can use that for his glory and show his power in us. He can do that. And so if we want to see real success in our outreach efforts, and I think all of us do, if we want to see real success in our outreach efforts to our community, reliance on the Spirit through prayer is essential. It's essential. It's vital. It's so important. We cannot do this on our own. We can't just say, okay, well, I'm going to go out and share the gospel with everybody and everybody I see, and then the next thing you know, you're discouraged and tired and frustrated, and you're thinking, ugh, why did Stuart preach a sermon about reaching out to others? This is so hard. I give up. Can, can I say I have been there and I have done that? And I got several t-shirts about that. No, if we're going to have real success in outreach efforts, and success isn't necessarily, you know, numbers. Although I believe that will happen. Success is our faithfulness. Success is being faithful to what Jesus has called us to. And if we're going to see that kind of success, reliance on the Spirit through prayer is essential. That's why in Acts 1, Jesus tells his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Right? You will receive power. Because we're powerless to do this work. But the Holy Spirit has been given to everyone who believes so that we have the power to be able to do this as we rely on the Spirit through prayer. And that's why in, um, sorry, in Acts 1.14, that's why these people, they got together and they devoted themselves to prayer. In fact, that's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 1, 19 through 21. And I want you to hear this through fresh ears and see this with fresh eyes. And I want you to believe it. Because Paul is talking about how the Holy Spirit has come to us and we've been sealed as a, as a guarantee of what is to come. And then he says, I don't want you to know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Immeasurable greatness. I can measure a lot of different things. I've got cups in my kitchen, and I can measure out a cup. In fact, yesterday, I replaced a, um, a filter in my refrigerator, water filter, and it said that I had to do three gallons of water run through that before we actually drink any of it. And I couldn't remember my uh, elementary school math, and so I had to look up, well, how many cups is in a gallon? And now I've already forgotten. <laughs> but I knew yesterday. 
And so I sat there and I, with the cup, and I just did every single one until I had done three gallons. I can measure a lot of stuff with a lot of different measurements. And Paul says that this is immeasurable. And not just immeasurable, it is great. And how great is it? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And not only raised him from the dead, but seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. I want you to hear, this is what Jesus says, this is what God says to us about the immeasurable greatness of his power that's at work in us so that we can go and do his will. question is, do we believe it? And if we believe it, are we going to get to the real work of prayer to see it happen? Real quick, in an article um, about church health that I read recently, Paul Hahn, who was a fellow PCAer, he was quoted as saying, we don't have church vitality because we don't have prayer capacity. We don't have church vitality because we don't have prayer capacity. It's not sexy or flashy, but it's available to everybody. And that's the point I really want you to take home. Every single one of us can do outreach this way by praying. You don't have to be the next Billy Graham. You don't have to be the person that knocks on doors and says, hey, let me share with you about my faith in Jesus. You don't have to be that. You just have to start by saying, I'm willing to pray and see what God will do. And every one of you can do that. Every one of you. So your action point, I'm not giving up on this, action point is to pray regularly, pray regularly for our efforts to reach out to our community in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to give you some specific ways that you can pray. So pray regularly. What is regularly? I'll let you, before the Lord, decide that. I would love for it to be at least every day. But I'll let you decide between you and God how regular, regular prayer for outreach will be but specific ways to pray. Pray that God would raise up gospel laborers to go out into our community, even from our own particular church. Hey, we've already talked about this in a sermon a few weeks ago. Second, pray that God would give us opportunities, open doors for various forms of outreach ministry. You know, and I will say, if you pray for opportunities, watch out, because they're coming. If you pray for personal opportunities, maybe you want to start by praying for opportunities for other people. Because if you pray for opportunities, God's going to bring those opportunities. But pray that there will be open doors for various forms of outreach ministry. Pray that God would empower us to speak his truth in love with humble boldness. Okay, and I added that word, humble boldness, 
because there are a lot of bold people today <laughs> in the church at large um, that they are not witnesses for Jesus. They're bold, all right, but they are not proclaiming the good news of Jesus. They're proclaiming something different. I don't want us to be that. I want us to be humble, humble, boldness, to speak about the truth in love to other people. And then finally, pray for the Spirit to draw people you know to Christ. See, here's the, here's the secret that we Presbyterians, if you're not a Presbyterian and you're just visiting here, secret that we as Presbyterians have. You know, we believe in all this predestination stuff. But really all of us do. You know why I know that? Because we all pray for people to come to faith. If God isn't able to bring someone to faith, then why do we pray about it? Right? So there's, there's that little secret that we keep. Shh, don't tell anybody. The truth is that when we pray, that's part of God's plan to bring people to himself. And he is able. He has immeasurable greatness of power to accomplish that. So don't give up on praying for your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your schoolmates. Pray that they would come to faith and trust that God is going to show his power in that way. And th this one isn't on the list. But it's one that I would like for you to really pray about. Pray that we will be convinced that prayer really is foundational. I know that might sound funny. But like the quote that I had from uh, Paul Hahn, prayer doesn't seem sexy. Prayer doesn't seem exciting. Prayer doesn't seem like it's something we're actually doing anything because, you know, we're just sitting there and we're just speaking words. And, and so everybody wants to do something. Let me get into teaching. Let me get into preaching. Let me get into, you know, doing outreach like giving out tracts or let me do something. But prayer? I am 100% convinced that until we see that prayer is really vital, and we commit ourselves, we devote ourselves to prayer, we're not going anywhere when it comes to outreach. I'm convinced. And I hope that you're convinced. And if you're not, I'll keep coming back to this over and over and over again until either you get tired of me or until God has got a hold of you. Okay? <laughs> That's a promise. So, church, let's devote ourselves. Let's devote ourselves to prayer and see how the Spirit empowers us, little old us, to reach out to others. I believe that God will do this, and let me pray along those lines. Father, we want to devote ourselves to prayer, but honestly, sometimes we don't even know what that looks like, and we don't know how to do it. So, Holy Spirit, will you empower us to devote ourselves to pray? to devote ourselves to praying specifically about reaching out into our community. And pray for these folks, that they would become 100% convinced that it is right and good for us to pray more than we really ever imagined. Pray.
that, that prayer really is foundational, that prayer really is vital to any outreach that we're going to do. And we can't just keep talking the talk. We need the power to do the walk. So cause us to devote ourselves to pray that you would be at work in us and through us, that we would see faithfulness in reaching out to our community. And we also pray for fruit, that it would be an encouragement to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.